It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to another week of the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. It is a beautiful day to start the week, and as we continue to work our way through what we're dealing with here as a society. So we'll keep you entertained, hopefully, for the next hour with a couple of conversations. Ben Roberts from the Herald Leader, first up. We'll talk a little recruiting, a little uh, upcoming uh, Kentucky basketball season, and a little bit about the uh, Derby Triple Crown thoroughbred racing picture as uh, Ben covers that for the Herald Leader as well. And then Kyle Tucker from The Athletic. Uh, lots of things to get into with Kyle. A great story that he did last week on uh, the pickup games that uh, were played when the team got back from Nashville after the season had ended. Uh, we'll talk about the uh, Johnny Juzang news that we'll get to here in a minute. And uh, all of that coming up with Kyle in the second half of the show. So let's get to the Wildcat news of the day. It is a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That's Private Wealth Advisory Practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. Uh, probably the the most surprising news uh, came out late last week. Johnny Juzang entering the transfer portal. Um, John Calipari, in his statement of, of well wishes for Johnny, uh, seemed to go certainly out of his way to leave the door open to come back. Um, so this one might not have been as uh, as expected as uh, sometimes these decisions are. And uh, there was an element, apparently, of, of homesickness that uh, we'll hear about from Kyle, who uh, caught up to Johnny's dad. Um, so this was uh, a player who uh, was came in with the rep of being a great shooter, struggled to make shots early, wasn't getting minutes. And then about midway through the conference season, really started in mid-January down at South Carolina when Johnny went in and gave them some good minutes, uh, even though he wasn't making shots. Uh, he had a knack for uh, finding rebounds and loose balls that uh, got him, I think, won him some favor with John Calipari. And then as the season started to to move forward, Johnny became a more reliable shooter. It was a, uh, down the stretch, probably last month and change of the season, about a 50% three-point shooter. Uh, had his best game uh, down at Tennessee, uh, coming off the bench that day to, to make three threes. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, but he also played well down at Florida in the season finale and the big Kentucky comeback there. So I think there was a, a thought that he could have a, a really nice uh, second season at Kentucky, but apparently it's going to take place somewhere else now. Uh, Cal was on an, uh, something called the SEC House Party on Friday and disclosed that five players have put their names in for the NBA draft. Uh, we assume it's the starting five. He didn't give out names. We don't know a whole lot more beyond that because we don't know yet what's going to happen with the NBA and how the draft will work and what the dates are going to be and the process for getting uh, for being evaluated and then guys making a decision to come back. So um, 
I think a lot of this is going to stay in limbo for a while. The NCAA is preparing to vote on an extra year of eligibility. That vote was thought to be coming today, might be delayed. There are some reports that it's gone, quote, sideways, and I'm guessing this has to do with um, finances. The uh, news came out last week that schools were going to be getting uh, almost two-thirds less than what they expected from the NCAA with the loss of March Madness. Uh, Billy Gillespie is a candidate for a Division One coaching job. It's Tarleton State uh, in Texas, um, and they're moving into Division One. They'll be going into the WAC conference. They won't be able to compete for the the league title for uh, I think it's two or three years, similar to to Bellarmine's situation as they make a transition to Division One. But uh, this it's it's interesting the uh, the ways Billy Gillespie and um, how mummies. Uh, careers have intersected. They were both at Copperas Cove High School at one time, and uh, now just uh, they, they weren't so much at the same place at the same time here. But Tarleton State, uh, Tarleton State is uh, where Hal Mummy fin- finished up his college career uh, as a uh, student and player. Um, and John Calipari has added a preferred walk-on. Isaac D. Gregorio is a five eleven guard, good shooter. His uh, Cal played for Isaac's grandfather uh, when Cal was at Clarion University. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. Heading to a break. We'll come back with Ben Roberts from the Herald Leader in just a moment. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Quarter past the top of the hour, we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald Leader, KentuckySports.com. We'll start, uh, Ben, with the Johnny Juzang news. I'm uh, guessing that probably took you by surprise, as it did uh, many of us. Yeah, I think the the timing of it certainly did. I, I kind of thought if that was coming, it, it might uh, wait a little while longer. Um, I think uh, you know, especially with the with the West Coast kids, uh, we've seen um, especially those who, who come out and don't you know blow the doors out right away. Uh, that that's something that that's kind of been happening lately, and, and I know there was definitely some homesickness there, and uh, obviously with as much as Kentucky was is going to have coming in next season at that position. Um, I, I was kind of told after the season, maybe it, it, they, they weren't really expecting it, but uh, that it wouldn't necessarily be a shocker if that happened once he got home and got closer to home. Cause I think that's probably where he's going to end up uh, next season. But yeah, certainly uh, uh, a piece that could have been really important to next, next season's roster and, and a player who came in here really highly touted when he came. Do you think uh, Cal might, uh, start to reconsider recruiting guys uh, from that far away. I, I don't know because I think, I mean, obviously, maybe they're they're very top target in the the next class, the twenty one class is uh, Paolo Banchero out in Seattle. So I think when it comes to guys like him, who I mean, you got to think are, are probably top ten draft picks after their freshman year. If if they think they have a good shot with somebody like that, I think they they go full steam ahead. Um, you know, obviously now we've seen with with guys like Jamal Baker, uh, Marcus Lee was here three years, obviously, but, but he ended up leaving, and Johnny Juzang, the guys who are 
further down, not necessarily five star guys or not, or not top twenty can't miss NBA guys. Uh, you know, maybe he, he starts to, to reconsider with those type guys, but I, I think he's just going to continue to to look for guys who want the challenge of playing at Kentucky and, and he thinks can, can fill a need. And, um, you know, when all three of those guys came, they, they could certainly fill a need. Yeah, that that uh, would make sense that it wouldn't matter so much if, if you're pretty sure a guy's going to be one and done that uh, that's not as big a concern if it's a more of a guy that you think would develop. Uh, and as we've seen, you don't always – you know, know what those uh, – who's going to fit into – you may think a guy fits into one category and he ends up in another one. Uh, let's talk about the, the other news over the weekend, which was Cal saying – and he said uh, four or five guys could put their name into the draft. He's uh, made it somewhat official in, in uh, an appearance on an SEC show that uh, five players have put their name in. We assume it's, it's the starting five. And it's just, yeah. I guess, hard to know what's going to happen from here, right, as far as, you know uh, – EJ could certainly still come out, come you know, pull his name out and come back. He'd be the most likely. I think probably quickly is the one that people are looking at as maybe the next. Uh, if there's a most likely to to be the the next one that wouldn't that would elect to come back. But what's your take on how this will play out? Yeah, I mean it's it's really hard to say because we don't know anything about what the calendar is going to look like. I, you know, I think the more you read and the more you listen to the experts, you, you have a harder time figuring out how the NBA is going to actually have any kind of season. Um, so you gotta, you gotta think the season's going to get canceled and, and, you know, they're talking about trying to do different things, moving the combine back, trying to account for individual workouts. But, you know, unless you want to push the draft into, into the fall or close to the start of when next season is supposed to start, I don't really even know how you do that. Certainly a, a combine would be incredibly difficult to pull off. Um, so yeah, I mean, what what these guys are really going on is is game film, and and I, I mean, I guess if you want to do an individual workout in a gym near your house with with somebody standing six feet away, you could try to send them tape of that. But it's really just going to be the background info they gather from uh, that they normally do throughout the process, and 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 watching these college games. Uh, so uh, you know, for somebody like EJ, it's hard to understand what really he's going to learn like there, there's obviously no harm in putting your name in because because like you said you, you could pull it out at any time um and i think everybody kind of expected that, that that he would put his name in at some point so yeah it's just i you know i, I don't really know what is going to be gleaned over these next two three four months um even if they push the draft date back it, it, it's hard to see him getting much feedback uh that, that would that would say he's a draft pick and the grad transfer uh, thing, for lack of a better word, is is uh, a little difficult to to read. I would think too, from Kentucky standpoint. Now, a big guy, if you find the right big man that you think you would take as a grad transfer, uh, you could probably, um, you know, if you're the 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 player making the decision on, you know reading the the lay of the land of the competition for minutes etc at the school you you could have a, a pretty good feel you know even if he uh, comes back but on the if you're a guard you where Kentucky's maybe wanting some some somebody else at point guard uh well if quickly comes back and you're a you know a grad transfer you don't want to transfer into a situation where you know quickly's looking to get some point guard minutes if he comes back right yeah and it, it's really tough i mean even if you account for for quickly even you know, you're bringing in Devin Asker, you're bringing in a five-star 
uh, you know, he wasn't a McDonald's All-American, but he was that caliber of player uh, as a freshman. So you got to think Cal's going to give him every opportunity, especially if Emmanuel leaves, to, to earn that job. And you got to think he's, he's playing 20, 25 minutes no matter what. And then you got guys like B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark that you know are going to get 25, 30 minutes in that backcourt. So if you're really any grad transfer point guard or transfer point guard, you have to look at that situation and, and say, you know, where do I really fit? Um, the flip side of that is if, if quick leaves, Kentucky probably needs another point guard to, to take up some of those minutes. So I, it, it's really going to be a dilemma if he does end up leaving. Um, to try to figure out how you you account for that position because, I mean, Devin can't play 40 minutes a game. And uh, you talk to people who, who have seen him play a lot and, and they think that he could really use somebody like quickly in that backcourt with him. But it, it's one thing for him to come back. It's another thing for a guy to take his last uh, season of eligibility who's been playing elsewhere and probably wants to go on to the NBA and, and jump into a situation where they don't know if they're going to get 30 minutes or, or 12 minutes. Now 22 past the top of the hour, chatting with Ben Roberts from the Lexington Herald-Leader, KentuckySports.com, and we'll be right back on the Leach Report Radio Network. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. We're back with Ben Roberts from the Herald Leader, KentuckySports.com on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Uh, on uh, Friday's show, we uh, gave you um, Independence Hall and the Florida Derby. That one fizzled out, but we did tell you uh, to keep an eye on social paranoia on the undercard. Uh, one at, I think, 6-1, to one, so... Uh, Hopefully, in the uh, Tito's Vodka uh, races of the week, you had a little luck. Uh, ben, this is a, uh, a crazy sports time, but there is one sport that has been able to uh, stay somewhat viable, and that's thoroughbred racing with uh, some venues able to run around the country. Uh, Florida Derby on Saturday, we saw Tis the Law uh, be very uh, impressive. Normally, he'd be off this. He'd, he'd probably just train up to the Kentucky Derby, but uh, now they've got to plot a different course. Yeah, I like to make some future wager bets every year uh, just, just for a little fun, and I had Tisbal uh, in that one, and Wells Bayou at, at pretty long odds. So I, I, I was kind of hoping they'd run this thing in May without fans, maybe. But yeah, it's going to be uh, it's certainly going to be a different process. It was really, I thought it was kind of jarring to see the Outriders down at Gulfstream. They all had masks on. I don't know if you noticed uh, that was that was interesting. Um, but the the whole timeline of this, I you know. All these guys have been training these horses up to to uh, the first Saturday in May and, and meticulously planning and, and plotting these paths, uh, some even dating back to, to last year when they were two-year-olds. And, and it's going to be interesting to see where a horse like Tis the Law goes now and, and what horses, um, you know, like a charlatan or, or, or some others, I'm sure, can kind of even emerge that, that maybe would have been a little too green in May, but... But by September, it could be monsters. Uh, you know, and that's even assuming that, that we, we get to do this thing in September because uh, 150,000 people together, even by then, uh, might might be a stretch. At, under normal circumstances, we'd now be looking ahead to this weekend with the Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland and the Wood Memorial in New York and the Santa Anita Derby. Uh, Keeneland and New York, we knew, uh, were already off the 
the screen, but Santa Anita was still running until I think last Friday. Uh, from what I've read, it uh, seems like there's, a, there's an effort to bring that uh, back up there. With the uh, the point being that um, the horses have to be cared for day in and day out. People that live at the track that care for them, feeding and exercising them, etc. So it's it's not a, a lot more beyond that. If you're racing without fans to actually continue the races and some of the revenue from the races, funds health care for some of those workers, etc. So uh, do you think uh, Santa Anita comes back in time for the Santa Anita Derby this weekend? Yeah, I mean, that, that's I think that's a real stretch. The You know, the way it was shut down out there and, and to, to turn it back around just in a matter of days. Um, I think Golden, Gates is, Golden Gate is still running up uh, further north up the state. Yes. Um, you, know, you know, it's hard to... I remember last year with, with the with the breakdowns, they talked about even moving to Santa Anita Derby um, when it looked like maybe they're, they're, they might not be able to run. I don't know if you could move it on that short notice or postpone it by a week and move it, or just I, you know, there, again, there's so many unknowns. Um, but to, to reopen a few days after they close it down, when the the, the situation's probably only going to get worse out there, I, I think. Uh, I think it, w- it would be tough to do, and and again, I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where you, you get one positive test out of there, and, and then everybody's second guessing and, and pointing fingers and, and, and trying to figure out what what happened, and what went wrong. Let's uh, go back to recruiting for we've got about a minute or so left here. Um, you know, sometimes guys come have big summers. Uh, the uh, Lance Ware, maybe one of those guys last summer, uh, you know, Shea Gilgis Alexander a few years back, and that's where they uh, kind of explode on the scene. Wingen Gabriel was one of those guys. So uh, that's not going to happen this summer, most likely. No, it's not. And not not only the big summers, but there were some guys who, um, like Keldon Johnson, for instance, uh, like Kentucky kind of used that last spring summer as almost a tryout, like guys that they were well aware of that they wanted to just see a few more times because, I mean, like they were watching these 2021 guys last year, but they weren't, I mean, they were watching the 2020 guys mostly. That's who they were, you know, you have very limited time, and that's who you really want to see. That's who you want to get a feel for. So, yeah, you might have caught in glimpses or maybe a game here or there of these 21 guys, but you want to see a much bigger uh, sample size before you offer a scholarship to Kentucky, and there's only a handful of guys they felt comfortable doing that with, and, and so this is really, yeah, when, when you when you get a better feel for those guys and, and, and see who you really want on your team, um, and yeah, a lot, a lot of guys are going to be flying blind now over these ben, months. thank you much for the time. Stay safe. Yep, you too, Tom. Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com is coming up next on the Leach Report Radio Network. Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com. Now, back to the show. I never knew you were a pickup man. You can set my truck on fire and roll it down a hill, and I still wouldn't trade it for a coupe de ville. Pickup man, one of the hits for Joe Diffie, who at uh, 61 uh, passed away over the weekend from complications related to the coronavirus. Uh, John Prine, another uh, notable musician, uh, is uh, battling the disease as well. So uh, we just uh, urge everybody to, to do what you can to keep yourself as uh, safe as you can in these times. 
Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. Uh, how are things in the Tucker household? Oh, uh, we got got the kids uh, uh, muzzled and, and uh, tied up in the playroom so that I can get through this interview, but otherwise everything's good. <laughs> Uh, it's yeah, wild, they're... man, entering week three with the twin three-year-olds trying to, both parents trying to work from home. It's uh, been Ooh. an adventure. Uh, well, you're not, you're not at the homeschooling stage yet, but you just got to keep them entertained. <laughs> yes, exactly. We we went from uh, day one, was like, let's really limit their screen time and only show educational things. And today <laughs> I went up there, uh, get, took some breakfast up to their playroom, and I said, what are y'all watching? And they said, it's called Lazy Bug. <laughs> <laughs> like a bug laying on a couch. I said, okay, sounds good. You guys are being quiet. Catch you later. Yes. Uh, um, it's uh, you do the best you can in these times. I uh, want to talk about a uh, couple of things to, to get started. Uh, stories you've written about recently at theathletic.com. Uh, and let's start. Well, the, uh, the, the Juzang one is the most uh, topical, but I want to start with the other one first. Uh, uh, just a very touching story really uh about how the season wrapped up uh a a series of games that uh, we we really learned about and cal mentioned on his final radio show in the uk network that they played a pickup game when they got back from nashville they learned on the way home the ncaa tournament was canceled and they got back and wanted to play a pickup game uh but you've got into the details of uh, exactly uh, this was a little more serious than just a pickup game and uh then what happened in the aftermath of it of this for folks that haven't seen the story uh, it's it's uh reason enough to subscribe to the athletic to read this but it was uh really touching uh, and i'll let you take it from there yeah i, I you know cal mentioned mentioning that made me you know really curious about just the more more details of it and uh, nate said that uh basically they got back and they they went in the gym and they divided up teams like like a million people have a million times playing pickup shoot free throws to pick your team um, you know, and then they played a best of seven series of pickup games, played for an hour and a half, um, and kind of went at it. Nate, the guys were kind of playfully trash talking each other, but the games were actually fairly intense. And no surprise that Emmanuel quickly hit the walk off shot to end their series, and uh, and then they just kind of sat together in the locker room. Nate said, and everybody was telling stories about their favorite parts of the season, and they were all kind of laughing at the people who. You know, they beat Michigan State and then a week later lose to Evansville. And, you know, at that point, he said people thought we were terrible. And then we lose two in Vegas and people thought we were terrible. And he said, you know, we were all laughing about that because we all knew and thought, you know, by the end we're going to be really good. Uh, and they felt like they were at the end and ready to make a run. And uh, I guess at some point in everybody kind of sharing their memories, Nate Sestina said he just kind of broke down his locker and started crying because he knew that it, that's when it hit him that his career was over. Um, and I thought it was, you know, Tyrese Maxey said, I can't be in here. I can't see you cry like this. And Ashton Hagens walked over and put his hand on his back and kind of encouraged him. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, a poignant scene. I mean, just the fact that they played, you know, that hard and that long, you know, they got back from um, an SEC tournament that was canceled to kind of have that one to, I, it felt like they were they were trying to give themselves some finality to the season um and sitting there and talking like that as well and 
there's just that's you know I think everybody can kind of relate to that. that just what a strange thing it's been that that the season just got lopped off with no warning and and no closure. Um, it's been hard on those guys. It's been especially hard on on a guy like Nate who knows his college career is over. All the other guys have the choice if they want it to be over or not. And not every team is is always sad that the season is over. Sometimes it's you know the the chemistry of the team or the way the season goes or or whatever. And uh, you know fans, I think uh, if, uh, you're so wrapped up in it, you can't wait for March Madness that you could, would have a hard time thinking whatever your team is in any given year that they would. Uh, not be you know uh, they they would be fine with with the season ending uh, earlier. This clearly from this story is a, is a group that uh, you know, certainly wasn't thinking that way, and kind of speaks to what Cal was talking about uh, uh, in terms of uh, maybe what potential was there for March. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's going to be kind of the lingering thing of this is just uh, all those guys felt confident that they had a ch- they were good enough to make a, a run. Um, yeah, you know, Nate. Nate. One of the things Nate said was like, yeah, I, I wanted to win the conference tournament. I wanted to play in the SEC tournament. That was a big deal uh, to me. Yeah, you know, I wanted another championship. Uh, even if it, if they didn't go on to win the national championship, he wanted just to compete for the SEC tournament uh, title. And um, you know, there's there's just an incredible amount of un- unfinished business. And, and as Cal says, for every season, like. You know, this group will never, when they go into the postseason, it says, you know, this this group will never be together just like this again. You know, maybe some guys come back, but there'll be new guys. There'll be some that leave. You know, these basically, what, nine guys for Kentucky, eight guys, um, will never be the same team again. And and so, you know, make the most of it is kind of his message. Um, You know, savor these moments. And, And they didn't really get to do that. You know, I mean, they were just, they got to the point where you would, you know, start playing like your lives depend on it and, and savoring all those postseason moments, and they didn't get any of them. They got not even a single conference tournament game. So I, I think it's, that part is really hard for them. We're talking with Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com uh, about uh, his, his story on uh, how the season uh, wrapped up for the Wildcats in this uh, series of pickup games that they played. We'll continue get into the Johnny Chuzang decision and more when we come right back. It's the Leach Report. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Help out your local uh, restaurants with uh, carryout orders when you can. If your budget allows, uh, help them out with uh, to, to remain viable during these times to keep people employed. Um, it's uh, Wild Eggs. Uh, in, in this case, they're in Hamburg and Palomar here in Lexington. Still doing carryout. You can go to their website, see the menu, and uh, place an order. Go pick it up. Bring it home. We'll be right back with Kyle Tucker. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Kyle Tucker's with us from TheAthletic.com on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline talking about uh, his story on and how the season wrapped up for the Wildcats and these pickup games that they play when they got back from Nashville that night. Uh, and on the winning team, it was Quickly, uh, Montgomery, Sestina, uh, Dante Allen, and Brad Calipari, who was uh, on the trip having finished up at Detroit. And then you had Hagens, Maxi, Juzang, Brooks, and Richards on the other team. Um what do you think uh, year two for Dante Allen could look like? It'll be interesting. I think he's got probably a lot of work to do just in terms of, you know, getting in the right kind of shape and physical condition. Um, that was a long, long layoff, you know, getting hurt early in his senior season in high school and 
Uh, not really being ran ready till Cal said like the last month of the season he started to practice. Um, be able to, you know, where he could have physically played in games. So I think he's got a lot of of work to do there. That's a, a tough thing about what's happening right now. Is you know, can a guy like that get into a gym somewhere? Um, a, a lot of a lot of the players have. I've talked to some people around the program, and they as they've checked in with some of their players, uh, they can't. They you know, there's there's nowhere for them to work out right now. So that's going to be tough. Um, yeah, I know he can really shoot it. He's a six six guy that can really shoot it. Um, it's just a question of, you know, can he get in the phys- kind of physical shape uh, to contribute? There will be a lot lot of competition on the wing, uh, a little bit less with Johnny Juzang leaving. Um, but, uh, you know, he's got an opportunity. Um, door, the door is open for him a lot more than it would have been had, you know, there been a sophomore Johnny Juzang in the building for sure. Yeah, I was thinking about uh, that for Dante. Uh, I mean, if, if he's... Uh... Uh, fully back and and uh, can be who they uh, believe he can be, then you could certainly uh, see him sliding into the role that, that Johnny might have had, albeit with uh, with less experience. And you uh, wrote about uh, Johnny's uh, decision to uh, apparently we we think head back to play out west somewhere. You uh, you caught up to his dad. Uh, how much of this was homesickness, and how much of it was just uh, the way the season played out for him? Uh, I think I think it was probably a, a good mix. I mean, the, the homesickness is a real thing. I mean, his family had gotten an apartment here because they worried about that, and his grandfather would come out and they would he would stay at that apartment and play work crossword puzzles and jigsaw puzzles with Johnny and stuff like that, just to kind of give him a a little bit of a, a taste of home. I mean, he's twenty two hundred miles from home, so I think that part of it's real. But I, I think if you read through that uh, story at the Athletic. Um, talking to his dad, you know, once you kind of get down to brass tacks, I mean, it was a lot about opportunity. And he said, you know, he felt like Johnny plays better when he's not looking over his shoulder, which would be to imply that he was looking over his shoulder here and maybe looking over his shoulder next year with the class they have coming in. They have three top 40 players on the wings coming in. Two of them are top 10 players and Terrence Clark and B.J. Boston. I think B.J. Boston was a guy they're aware of. He's playing out there in California right now uh, with that loaded Sierra Canyon team with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James' kids. Uh, and he's the best player on that team. He was the finalist for the, Na- the Naismith National High School Player of the Year, and he plays Johnny's position, B.J. Boston does. And so, you know, I think, there was a, I think there was a lot of just, you know, how much am I going to get on the floor? Um, you know, and how short will my leash be? And, and his dad talks about a short leash and, you know, that guys maybe can't, don't play as well in that situation when they feel like if they miss a couple or make a couple mistakes that they're going back to the bench. So, um, yeah, I think the, I think the homesick thing was real, but I think, you know, when you get right down to it, if he felt like he was going to be a starter and a star, you know, with, with, without a doubt, he wouldn't be going anywhere. What's uh, your read on, uh, if, if you even have a good guess on uh, where Emmanuel Quickly's thinking is uh, with all the uh, uncertainty that's out there as far as the NBA. Say that one more time. I, you broke up. What, what's uh, what's your take on, uh, if you have one, you've talked to Emmanuel's family some, uh, what his thinking is at the moment. Um, it, it is After you did the story, did you come away, I guess I'll, I'll ask it this way, thinking it was more likely he would might come back or, le- or uh, about what you thought going in? 
Uh, I think it was probably about what I thought going in. I, I got some pretty positive vibes uh, from his mom, sort of in the, the things and the way she was talking. But this stuff, you know, changes fast. And when they get back home and they're home uh, for a while and, and away from the program, I think, um, you know, things can change. I think in Emmanuel's case that that pendulum might be swinging a little bit. I think there's definitely um, going to be a sense of, you know, should we strike while the iron's hot? You know, can could Emmanuel, um, you know, should he should he take advantage of the fact that he's on the radar now and not risk coming back? And one, if you're okay, if it's to prove I can play point guard, well, what if I do that and I don't play well? Uh, or you know, come back and play in the same role I was in last year, but I'm competing now as with the guys I just mentioned, BJ Boston and Terrence Clark, and um, you know, there's a lot more shots. Uh, going to other people, you know, that's a team that may not lean on Emmanuel to score as much and do as much as he did this year, so his numbers may go down. Um, those are risks. There's injury. Um, and so I, I think as this goes on, you know, those thoughts start to, to come into play with Emmanuel and his family. You know, do you do you strike while the iron's hot? And, and I, think we, I think it may be starting to swing that way. Uh, I know Kentucky would love to have him back. It would be sort of the dream scenario um, to have a guy who'd be a combo guard could play on the ball or off, and you know maybe uh, help Devin Askew ease his way into playing point guard for them. Um, but it, it is it. While I was encouraged, you know, whatever it was two weeks ago um, about the the prospects of him coming back, you know, talking to his mom, that stuff has you know there's been a lot more discussion in the family and, and with other people involved since then. And it, it may be going the other way now. So, you know, in that case, you may end up with just EJ Montgomery and Keon Brooks back. And uh, those are two really good building blocks, but I think they'd have to then start thinking about a grad transfer, maybe combo guard, somebody, somebody in the backcourt with some experience, that you know, can play at the college level. Uh, and then probably also a, a, certified big man uh, you know um, some muscle down low on the grad transfer market I, I would think that they'd be looking in that direction to fill out their roster uh, i think if you're uh, making a play one way or the other the, the smart play is usually to uh err on the side of the the line of thinking that you're talking about for any any player in that situation i think way more often than not that's how they're that's the side of the spectrum they're going to come down on yeah yeah, I think we've seen we've seen enough of these decisions <laughs> to kind yeah, of understand exactly. Uh, it's an interesting thing. Uh, everybody's looking for uh, creative content uh, in these times without games to write about. And at the uh, Athletic, uh, I think you retweeted this or I saw it somewhere. Uh, they've gone through a panel of, of uh, Seth Davis and a couple of the other writers looked at college basketball history and ranked uh, and put picked the top player for each number uh, and. Um, through college basketball history and uh, interesting exercise, one you could probably do uh, in some way with uh, with Kentucky players at some point. But the interesting thing was how strong number thirty three is when you think that oh it God. has to be you know Lou Alcindor slash Kareem Abdul Jabbar, but you know others include Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and Patrick Ewing and Grant Hill and yeah. Antoine Jameson and Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, <laughs> you, if you made a team out of guys who wore 33, they no one would ever beat them. Um, I mean, that is that is an astounding list uh, of of guys who wore 33. Yeah, 32 right above it. It ain't bad either. It's Bill Walton, Christian Leitner, Julius Irving, 
Jimmer Fredette, a uh, couple other guys. It's uh, yeah. I mean, that's I was impressed by just the undertaking of uh, <laughs> of ranking or picking the best player from every number when you talking about history. There was nobody uh, for Kentucky that was chosen, uh, there, but on the others under consideration, you see Kentucky names pop up at some point. Um, I think for 44, um, David Thompson got the call, but Dan Issel was certainly under consideration. Now, they did. They looked at number zero and gave it to Frank Mason of Kansas. They didn't break it out for double zero, but in the uh, in the paragraph it, uh, about zero, it does say Tony Delk would be the pick at double zero. But uh, it's uh, it was a fun Fun exercise. If you have a subscription, uh, check that out at theathletic.com and uh, something we can maybe get into over the summer for uh, Kentucky as well. Kyle, appreciate the time as always, and uh, good luck keeping the kids entertained. (laughs) Thanks for having me. See ya. (laughs) That is Kyle Tucker at theathletic.com. And uh, you've got a lot of extra time on your hands right now, so uh, good time uh, to pick up at a subscription to The Athletic if you don't have one because you can read some of the great content that we talk about each week with Kyle here on the show. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll come right back to wrap up this edition of the Leach Report Radio. Donato Slice of Wildcat History. This day in 1998, Kentucky came back to beat Utah 78-69 and win the seventh national championship for the Wildcats. It'll be the next edition of our Kentucky Classic Series on the UK Network coming up this Saturday afternoon. Uh, Ralph Hacker, Sam Bowie will have the call on that one, and uh, that'll be uh, coming up this Saturday. And then uh, a week from tonight, the final uh, rebroadcast will be the 2012 championship game. Happy birthdays. Jonathan Davis, former Kentucky basketball player, happy birthday today. Uh, Oscar Combs had a birthday on Saturday, so belated happy birthday to Oscar. And uh, birthdays yesterday included former Kentucky football coach Hal Mummy and Sean Woods as well. Uh, Joe Lenardi of uh, ESPN's playing out the uh, the bracket in conjunction with the days when games would actually be played in a tournament. So I'm not sure how exactly they're uh, determining who's advancing, uh, what metrics or, or whatever they're using. But anyway, he ended up uh, with a Final Four uh, that played out over the weekend, and it would be Kentucky, Florida State, and Gonzaga, Michigan State down in Atlanta this week. Uh, what might have been. We'll see you tomorrow on The Leach Report. Thanks for listening to The Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow The Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom,